Sound Pages is a literary series featuring resident artists in the Jack Straw Writers Program. When you are having a hard time, tell somebody. If you want to throw a tantrum, you should try it. This program features the work of 2016 writer E.J. Coe. Curator Karen Finneyfrock spoke with her in an interview. So your project for Jack Straw is a collection of poems. Mm-hmm. Tell me about it. So my poetry collection is called A Lesser Love. And I've been working on it for about two, three years. But it kind of cannibalized from this early collection of poems I worked on called A Home Address. But the initial project is a lot about my relationship with my mother. So I should say this. (laughs) But when I was really young, when I was 14, my parents moved back to South Korea. So I was born and raised here. They moved to South Korea for a job, and I remained behind as my own guardian. So I was driving myself to school. I was underage. I was drinking. I was doing a lot of bad things. I was smoking. I was getting into drugs, and I was very young and not going to school. But the initial deal or the contract that my parents had entered into was that they would be gone for two years. And this was understood by me as just deal with these two years and they'll be back. But it extended into three years and then five years and six years and then eight years. So it wasn't until actually two years ago that I reunited with them in Seattle. So they returned to this fully grown woman um, after leaving Uh, that child behind. But yeah, it's interesting. That project was about me going back to kind of remember all the feelings I had about my mother before they left. And then it turned into how those feelings changed and grew um, during that absence and struggling to deal with that absence in the language. And it's always felt, it's like I'm always talking to someone who's not actually there. And um, more recently, uh, as I'm continuing to edit A Lesser Love, my parents and I have really reconciled a lot of those things and have gotten the opportunity to talk about uh, that time. And so there's this nice rosy (laughs) haze at the end of the book because, you know, nothing gets resolved, but there is this understanding of, okay, this is the love I'm given and I'm okay with that because a lesser form of love is still love. How do you think that early experience of being on your own so young influenced your decision to become a writer or maybe just turned you into a writer? God, I was such a bad kid. Like, there'd be 30 days uh, and I would get my report card and I would miss 28 of those days. I would never go to class or school. I was just smoking cigars. Uh, I was an alcoholic by the time I was 16 years old. I was bulimic by the time I was 17. By the time I'm 18, I'm a hip-hop dancer, moved to L.A. by myself to work in the circuit. You know, I was underage, uh, working in clubs. I was not the woman you see before you right now in this proper attire. Oh, hell no. But 
Somehow I graduated high school because my teachers completely pitied me and I loved them. And then I somehow got into college in LA. And while I was there, it was my last year in college and I was, I'm really bad at math. And I begged my counselor, please give me any other class to do instead of this math class and then I can graduate. I'm done with school for the rest of my life. And she made me take this poetry class as my requirement. <laughs> what an evil woman. <laughs> it was one poetry class to knock off every math requirement ever needed. And I said, fine, you evil old woman, I'm going to do it. I walk into class. I had this fro at the time. I'm wearing, like, my belly buttons out. I'm wearing baggy pants. I sit in the very front of class. I don't care at all. I'm not even listening to the teacher. But we had to do some writing exercises, and his name's Greg McClure at UC Irvine, and he comes to me after class and says, you know, um, I don't think you realize this, but you're, you're a poet. And then I told him to fuck off. So I left, and I didn't come to class for like a week. And then the next time he saw me in class, I went up to him and I gave him a stack of papers, of poems, and I apologized and I said, I think you're right. I think I'm a poet because I haven't been able to stop writing since that first day. And it just changed everything. It was my last quarter in college. I, I completely switched majors to English. I did the poetry emphasis. I, I did a poetry thesis. I... That day, he took me to see the poetry director at UCI. Her name's Susan Davis. She immediately enrolled me into fellowships, scholarships, programs. I, I took it all, you know. They helped me so much. Um, they helped me apply to MFA programs. I started winning awards for the school. So the school started helping me out. Suddenly, I was this academic baby because I found poetry. And I think it was that maybe those couple months where I realized, okay, I'm going to do this. I have maybe six or seven months to change my major, do all these classes, do all these things, but I found it. I have to do this. And yeah, I quit dancing. I just said, okay, I'm good with this. I tied my hair back. I got some glasses. I got some notebooks, some pencils, sat down. I, everyone's like, what's happening to you? What's poetry doing to you? And then I had to stop and think about it. And I said, I think it's making me a better person. I think that's what's happening. Do you think that you were always a writer or do you think that you were always an artist and that your artistic expression could just find different forms? I don't know. That's interesting because I was a dancer before, right? And so I was moving my body a lot. And when I write poems. I like messing with the space on the page and the blank white space and see where I can move the words. Or there's always this interesting rhythm that comes out of my writing. But was I always an artist? Was I always a poet? I think yes, because I think you can be a poet without actually writing poetry. I think being a poet is about the way you look at things, the way you notice details. You know, sometimes I meet people and maybe that's what Greg meant when he saw me and said, you are a poet, just by seeing the way I see the world. And he said, wow, this is not usual. <laughs> You're a poet. 
And, you know, since then, I, I've become a professor and I teach all the time. And there are students where I just look at them and I, I, I say the same exact thing. I say, you are a poet. And this is something you can carry with you very proudly. Now we'll hear a selection from EJ's live reading. I'm going to read this poem, and I wrote this poem last week, and I haven't looked at it since, so if I stumble, just forgive me. <laughs> and um, I think I like to do that to myself. I like to read something that's nasty new to freak myself out a little bit, but get in the habit of doing that, saying, okay, let's just read that. It's called Hierarchy. Thrones. My husband stretches the dark horizon off and hands it to me. Evening is the sweetest fruit. For night he gathers the grapes off their vines and fills the sky like a basket. He invents dusk like this. After he swims through a volcano, after his tears become waves in the Puget Sound, after he paints birds of Madagascar, I turn him away. Then again, when I give birth to a girl, he persuades clouds to weep softly for us. After death, he leaves behind imagination to see where he was when he wasn't here. Sherbim. My belly grows bigger than beats twice. I carry your reincarnation, eyes two black drops of mountain water, and a mouth, one word stretched open, offering. I want for everything to meet you again. You know nothing yet for the second time. Unborn, you've collected neither star nor cape, not a window in this life. You've never heard no, Hajima, or grandmother, Harmony. Or you must remain happy, Hemboke, not even the reason why I named you Haru. It means one day, when you permit, you will love instead. Virtues. Knowledge and lust. Justice and glut. Diver and diver. Coral reef and hunger. Mercy and dinner tables. Pork and seaweed, music and marching, peace and soldiers, interview and surgery, stone and stones, village and camps, shield and vagina, safety and torture, trouser and period stain, truth and body hair, trust and beauty, will and rape, daughter and water, flag and number, beauty and whore, Hands and teeth, fervor and revenge, courage and war, land and island, exit and fight, skin and shade, home and sickbed, bed and cave, money and money, husband and thief, love and bed, cane and drug, forgive and suicide, woman and woman, death and death. Seraphim. Surround this body with blue wildflowers. 
See my skin easing into itself. This is precious. Ride this day back to when I'm young again, then wake to morning who yawns back our stars. I know the truth about bodies and souls, mine cracked and crackling. I was eight when a ghost said in a dream, one day you will give up everything. No one will remember you. Because of this, how completely beautiful you ought to be. Dominions. The vine-covered trains, their hollowed sighs and careening ravines, an upturned paper cup says, fill me with dragon well tea. The black salt beaches and circus tents of popping rice cakes, industrial churches speak, where are you headed? To where the roads are waves of concrete, a vast paved ocean. A spirit counts minutes between visits. A rattle on glass tables. Breezes find crannies to chill. Nobody talks with hands in their pockets. Heads bow like anchors over the ground. Do not suffer. Do not suffer. Suffering is an object of contemplation, not a sign. Nothing that says yes or no, do not suffer because of suffering. Do not suffer because of non-suffering. Everything is afraid. This too is a love letter. The light is starting to take hold. The space unfolds, ungrounded from the present. Soon, I depart to that place I'll never leave. So, I'm also a translator, and I, uh, I really don't like talking about my mom, but I have to talk about my mom. So, when I was young, I was, um, I must have been like 14, and my parents moved back to South Korea, and I stayed behind uh, illegally as my own guardian, and they needed to work, and they ended up coming back nine years later, nine, ten years later. My mom would write me a letter every single week, every Friday, and they were in Korean, and I would throw them away because I was angry, I was upset, and I was always waiting. And then about a year and a half ago, I found, I don't know why I'm getting sad. <laughs> I, found, <laughs> I found her letters, I found 49 of them, and I thought, well, I'm a translator now. <laughs> and I started to translate them. It, they took me about a year. And it was really astounding to get to read those letters I used to trash. And um, I work very closely with Domi Choi. Some of you guys might have heard of her. She's this wonderful translator, too. And she was telling me um, 49 days is the number of days our soul kind of wanders the earth after death to find answers, to find peace. And so this is one of those letters I translated. And um, I guess all you need to know is that my Korean name is Unji, which stands for EJ. But um, yeah, that's it. January 18th, 2006. Hello, Unji. I was so happy after we talked on the phone this morning. Felt like I was in a better mood too. 
Thank you for singing for me. Mommy loves when you sing. I nearly cried. Sing for me again next time. Hearing Unji's voice anytime brightens my day. Of course, a person who lives their life doesn't have it easy. For adults or for babies, it's all the same. Our feelings are different and our thoughts. Our wants are different. Actually, everyone is the same. Our sadness, our joy, mostly hopelessness, despair. Mommy's like that too. When you reach this age, you think you will outgrow everything. But it's not like that. Every day my thoughts change and I lose control. Although, Unji, our lives being given to us is the most precious time. The ups and downs truly go together. But not feeling happy, not being happy in any moment is a complete waste. You know the American president, John F. Kennedy? That person said this, when you lose your things, you're not losing much. When you lose trust, you're losing a lot. When you lose courage, you're losing everything. What do you think? Wasn't it nice to hear? Remind yourself constantly and you will change. If anyone asks for help, be willing to. Reach out your hand. If anyone needs guidance, you do so earnestly, with honesty. You know penguins? Penguins support each other with order, discipline. Mommy read this in a book and she will copy it word for word. When penguins in the South Pole endure frigid, very cold winds, they huddle tightly together with their body heat. The penguins on the outer edges will alternate with the penguins in the warmer center. The penguins all abide by this rule. If some penguins try to remain only in the warmer center, then the outer penguins won't survive, and it will be difficult for them to survive themselves. Do you understand? Working together, you are much stronger. You can't only help others either. When you are having a hard time, tell somebody. If you want to throw a tantrum, you should try it. <laughs> I'm not sure what to say to help Unji. But from mommy's point of view, I think you're doing very, very well. Unji has grown to be successful and good-hearted, even more than what mommy hoped for. Everything is changeable. Everything passes. You must live with a bright, beaming heart. And let's meet again, mommy too, Unji too. I love you, my Unji. Your songs, thank you so much for them. I have one last poem, and it's called The Wind. The poor wind returns from the mountains, passes through the door, and lights up around the fire. It wishes it were smaller to be held. It wishes it were heavier to stay when it pleases. Outside, above the lake's mirror, the wind tolerates its own placid face. The wind traveled from a farther past. The wind today has always been purposed to lean in as close as it will never touch. The wind mourns by rattling windows and rustling trees. Don't leave me, the wind says, unwed. 
The wind is alone in every measure of aloneness. The wind is something to be left behind. If the wind were a woman with arms and legs, she'd be too light to weigh on anyone's mind. She'd say, if one life were born again, let it be yours, not mine. Thank you. Sound Pages is a Jack Straw production. The 2016 curator of this program is Karen Finneyfrock. This episode of Sound Pages was produced by Daniel Gunther and Levi Fuller. Recording engineers are Steve DeTori, Daniel Gunther, Mo Preventure, and Tom Stiles. Narrator is Alyssa Keene, and executive director of Jack Straw Cultural Center is Joan Rabinowitz. Theme music by the Seattle Jazz Composers Ensemble, produced through the Jack Straw Artist Support Program. The Jack Straw Writers Program is made possible with support from the City of Seattle Office of Arts and Culture, Four Culture King County Lodging Tax Fund, the Washington State Arts Commission, the National Endowment for the Arts, Arts Fund, and individual contributors. All of the writers heard in this series are published in the Jack Straw Writers Anthology, available for purchase and featured online at jackstraw.org. Thank you for listening. <laughs>